0: and go with me one verse tonight. How many of you like the picture on the front of the You like that? If, if you can't see it, it's up on the screen. Uh, and the title of the message tonight is no spots. All right. And I, I sometimes I, I look at this and I'm like, Lord, really? But uh, this is, you'll hopefully see how things turn out here. And uh, we'll look at God's word. Here's the verse tonight. Psalm 19 and verse 14. Now I'm thinking about the new year, but the Bible says here, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. All right, everybody have the verse? Let's read that verse together, all right? Everybody got your eyes glued on that verse or up here on the screen? Okay, here we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now that phrase there, acceptable, in thy sight now what that is dealing with tonight is this it's talking about just like in the old testament times how oftentimes they would make a sacrifice and we know from the word of god especially the book of hebrews that none of those sacrifices they were only a type of the lamb of god that would eventually come the lord jesus christ but we understand that sacrifices were given Today, the Bible says that our body is a, that we should present our bodies a sacrifice, a wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. But when you think about this matter of what is acceptable, we're talking here about a sacrifice. And just like those Old Testament sacrificial animals, they had to be animals that had no spot or blemish. Uh, they, were, they were, in a sense, they were pure, they, they they didn't have markings on them, and they were something that were offered up to God, but as they were being offered to God, they were offered with a pure heart. And this is the focus tonight of our Bible study is what your life and mind need to be, as it says there, is acceptable in God's sight. In other words, that God would be well pleased with your life and mind. How many of you would say I want God to be pleased with my life, not just this year, but every year of my life that God gives me to live for Him. See, we need to live consciously in the presence of God. Uh, Being aware of God in our lives, uh, this is the heart of Christian living, so how can we live a life that is pleasing to God? That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. How can we live a life Without spots, all right? Let me give you seven ways tonight, and we'll go through these rather quickly. But notice, first of all, that you and I can be acceptable in God's sight if we put God's Word in our hearts. Put God's Word in our hearts. Now, folks, I'm gonna give you seven things tonight that if you take these things and you incorporate them into your life, I'm gonna tell you something God will be pleased with your life. The first one is very, very important, because every one of us need to put God's Word in our hearts. The Bible says, out of the heart comes what? The issues of life, right? You ever heard of the old phrase, garbage in, what comes out? Garbage, right? But guess what? If you put God's Word in, then what do you think comes out? God's Word, right? Good things, godly things, edifying things to those that will hear. And so when we're putting God's word in our hearts, what are we talking about? We're talking about memorizing scripture. We're talking about taking the word of God and putting it into our lives, putting it into our hearts. How many of you know that you're not always gonna have your King James Bible in your hand when you wanna talk to somebody? Anybody ever been in a store and you start talking to somebody and you're like, man, I wish I had my Bible. Anybody ever done that before? But listen, if, you, if you've got God's word in your heart, look, it's the old adage, all right? And most of you work a job, and if you think about the job that you work, there's probably something that you do that is fairly technical. If you think back to when you first got that job, you didn't know how to do that, did you? But what happened was, is through repetition, by doing it over and over and over again, now you don't even think about it. It's just second nature. And the reason why we don't know God's word is we don't spend enough time in it. We don't memorize it. We don't take it to heart. I want you to see a couple of verses here. Look at Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. God says, look, I want you to take my words. I love that, my words. Hey, listen, folks, it's not the words of Dane Keeley tonight. It's what thus saith the Lord. God's word is powerful. God's word still changes lives. We need to understand it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what people need to hear Not only here in God's house, but when we're out in the community, when we're at our jobs, is they need to hear the word of God. And what the Bible says is that we need to take God's words and put them in our hearts. Look what Jeremiah said. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Look, I'm going to tell you. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are them that trusteth in him. Have you ever tasted God's word? It's sweeter than the honeycomb, the Bible tells us. God's word leaves a good taste. You ever ate something late at night? You get up in the morning, you're like, right? Somebody acting like you've never done that. Come on now. And a lot of times I get up in the morning, I'm like, oh, man, wish I wouldn't have ate that before. Listen, I can never say that if I've been reading God's Word and I get up the next morning. God's Word doesn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. The Bible says that Jeremiah said that God's Word was unto him the joy and the rejoicing of his heart. Look, if we're talking about memorizing Scripture, here's a couple of good things to do. And look, you may not want to do this publicly, but guess what? There's nothing wrong with it, is find a verse that you want to memorize, and then just say it out loud a bunch. Just start saying the verse. As a matter of fact, people say, people throw out all kinds of cursings and all kinds. Of, listen, go ahead and just spew God's word out of your mouth. Somebody might hear it and say, hey, listen, that person knows some Bible. Uh, that person's a Christian. So say it out loud because here's what happens is when we say it, we're also hearing it. And we say it over and over again, and so we can say the Word of God out loud, and then what we need to do is learn by topics. Dr. John Getz that was here last year, that'll be back again here really just in a couple of weeks to do a revival for us, Dr. Getz has, he has taken the Word of God, and he's memorized over 14,000 verses in the Bible. Now think about that. That's more verses than the entire New Testament. And one of the ways he's done that is he's learned Scripture by topic. I've seen his, he uses cards, cards that he made that he hand-wrote on, on three-by-five cards, and he's, he, he takes them, and like he might, he might find a bunch of verses. Maybe he's going to preach a message on hell. And what he would do is he would find verses, and so on the back of the card he would write the reference, and he would write the word hell, because that's the topic of those cards that are in that pack. And so what you can do, maybe you're going to study verses about love. And so you can say them out loud. You can learn by topics. You can also learn the references. Uh, Brother Chris helps us every Sunday. He says, let's say the, the reference of that verse. And it's always good to learn the reference of the scriptures. And then here's a good one is, is learn by phrases. If you notice in the Bible with punctuations, a lot of verses have uh, three or four different phrases, and you can learn by phrase. Just take the verse, break it up in pieces, learn it, and put it back together. There's a lot of different things. Now, one thing I found is not, not my method a lot of times may not work for the next person, but it works for me. What you have to do is find something that works for you. Here's a good practice is, is that verse that you're memorizing. Try to figure out How does that verse apply to my life? And a lot of times that will help you to remember something. You know, a lot of times I learn people's names. I'm not real good with names I try. I learn names by association. So sometimes what I do is I might be talking to somebody. They might tell me uh, what they do for a living or uh, maybe by the way they look or something. Something that I can associate their name with that person And a lot of times I fail. And so I'll say to them, listen, I know you told me your name and I am so bad with names. Can you tell me your name again? And it's kind of embarrassing. But listen, folks, when it comes to memorizing scripture, we have to work at it. And God says we need to hide God's word in our hearts. Look at Psalm 40 and verse number eight. I delight to do thy will. O my God. Look at this. Yea, thy law is within my heart. You know what the psalmist was saying there is? Hey, listen, it's as much of God's will that I learn scripture. You know, folks, we, you know, I get around some guys and they just start spewing out who was on the championship Steelers football team back in 1972. And then I'll say, hey, listen, can you tell me what such, such verse is? Uh, you know, and honestly, here it is. What is dear to us, we spend time learning, memorizing. And if a Christian ought to be able to do something, memorize something, let's memorize God's word in this year, in this brand new year that God will give us. Look at Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Now, why would would I hide God's word in my heart? He says it right here. That I might not what? Sin against God, right? Listen, folks, when you start to do something, you don't have to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? The word of God will come right up and say it Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't be doing that, you know? And so, look, if we're gonna be acceptable to God in this new year, what do we need to do? First of all, we need to put God's word in our hearts. How How many of you say amen to that, all right? So let's work on that this year. Look at number two. If we're gonna be acceptable, we need to make sure that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit, that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, listen, folks, only a person Only a person can be grieved. You say, Pastor, why did you say that twice? Because a lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit is some sort of force off of Star Wars. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. You grieve a person. And the Holy Spirit of God is one part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so when you think about this, the Bible tells us, look in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, what are we t- what's the Bible talking about here when it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God? To grieve the Holy Spirit of God, here it is very simply. It's to act out in a sinful manner. That's what it means, to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we do something wrong, something sinful we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because we are one of God's children. And we ought not to be behaving in a sinful manner. Let's look at Psalm 78, verse 40. The Bible says there in the Old Testament, how often did they provoke Him, God, in the wilderness and grieve Him in the desert? We know what, what the children of Israel... By the way, you can point your finger all you want at the children of Israel. We're just as guilty. Time and time... And time again, we grieve God by his Holy Spirit. Look at Psalm ninety-five, 40 years along was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. God says, listen, for 40 years, I've put up with these people, you know, and they have grieved me. And folks, the Bible says that we are to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Take your Bible and go over to Ephesians chapter number four. I want you to look at some of these verses here. Ephesians chapter number four tonight. All right, go over, go over to New Testament, Ephesians chapter number four. All right, now look, what are some ways that you and I can grieve? All right, Because a lot of times you get around some people and they're like, Pastor, what, what does it mean? How can we grieve? Uh, The Holy Spirit of God. Well, let me give you an example right here from the Word of God. Let's just let the Bible tell us some ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Are you there in Ephesians 4? And notice the first one. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, what a description. What What is he saying here? Well, the first thing he says is we should not grieve the Holy Spirit by living like pagans. That's exactly what that's describing. There are people in the world today, they're not living for God, they're living A paganistic lifestyle and folks understand that we grieve God when we live like unsaved people look at another way right here let's follow along look at verse 25 says wherefore putting away what lying "Lying. speak every man what truth come on we're doing a Bible study with his neighbor for we are members one of another so another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit is to lie look at another one look at verse 26 Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. What's another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit? Being angry. Uh, Christians ought not to be angry. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Folks, listen, we ought to be people that can get along with one another and not be angry. And this is another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's read on, verse 28. Let him that what? Stole, steal, no more. What's another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit? By stealing. People listen, people steal things, some steal people. There's people, there's there's men that steal other men's wives. There's all kinds of things. This grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Look at the next one, verse number 29. Let no corrupt Communication, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the ears. What's another way we grieve the Holy Spirit? Cursing. A Christian ought never to curse. I've been around some Christians before, and we're just standing around talking, and all of a sudden a curse word comes out of the mouth, and they go, Oh, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> out of the heart comes the issues of life. Now, listen, I, I understand. We're saved out of a life of sin, but it grieves God's Holy Spirit when we do something like that. Look at the next way we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 31. Let all what? Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit is to be bitter. Folks, listen to me. There is no way you're going to win somebody to Christ if you can't love them. If you are bitter against somebody tonight, you are not in God's will. We can't be bitter people. That's not the Spirit of Christ. And it grieves the Holy Spirit when we are bitter. Look at the next one. Look at verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What's another way we can grieve the Holy Spirit? Be unforgiving. Not willing to forgive someone. Matter of fact, let's jump into chapter 5. Let me give you one more tonight. Look at verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh what? Saints. Look at that. Look at your Bible. Don't look at me. As becometh what? Saints. That's saved people. All right? Look at verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous uh, covetous person or man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So another way that we can grieve the Holy Spirit is to have sexual immorality in our lives. And these are all ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So what are we talking about? Grieving the Holy Spirit of God will hinder a godly lifestyle. Clearly, you can see that in the Word of God. It's living a life of refusing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. You guys still with me? Listen, I love you. I'm I'm just trying to help you tonight. How many of you, again, want to be acceptable to God, right? So look, these are just... By the way, I just gave you a little example. I just went to Ephesians 4. I could have turned many other places. Anything you do that is of a sinful nature grieves the Holy Spirit of God, all right? Let me give you a a third way tonight that we can be acceptable is learn to forgive others. We just hit on this because there in Ephesians 4, it says that we are to forgive one another, but look in your notes there. Look at Luke 17. The Bible says in verse 3, take heed to yourselves. Notice, now watch this. Look at me. We're talking about forgiving someone else, but before we even get to the point of forgiving someone else, what does the Bible say? Take heed to who? yourselves. Now watch this because there's a reciprocating effect here, all right? Look what it says now. If thy brother, let's say that three words, if thy, thy, brother. thy what? Brother. brother. And if somebody's my brother, then that means I'm saved and, and they're saved, right? And so watch this now. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, what are we supposed to do? See, now, a lot of us, here's what we want to do. We want to stop with those two words, rebuke him. Yeah, I'm going to let him have it. Give him a piece of my mind. You know? Well, that's all fine and well, but the Bible says, look at it. If he repent, forgive him. Folks, look, the goal is always restoration. That's the goal. We're not, look, we're not here to kick somebody out of church. We're not here to say, you're no longer my brother or sister in Christ. We're here to say, I love you, but there's something here we need to talk about. See, rebuke doesn't mean to get in their face and yell at them. It's, it's to say, listen, we need to, the two of us need to understand what's going on here, and we want to make sure that, that it lines up with the Word of God. So look at what it says again. If he repent, forgive him. Now read, let's read on. And if he trespass against thee, how many times in a day? Seven times in a day. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee and say, I repent. What does the Bible say? Thou shalt forgive him. Are you kidding me? Seven times and I just have to keep forgiving him? Yes. That's what the Bible says, till 70 times seven. Matter of fact, that passage that Richie just mentioned, the 70 times seven is really a reference, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not that good at golfing, but whenever I go out, I'm, I kind of hit my ball here, hit it there. I kind, you know, I kind of lose track of my score, and I don't do it on purpose because my score is never low; it's always high. And when somebody asks me, "Hey, what'd you shoot?" I'm like, "Uh, let's see, I lost track after 15." You know, I mean, that's the whole idea of that: is we don't keep track because if they do something wrong, then according to the Word of God, we are to go on. Forgiving them. Everybody with me with that? That's that's what the Word of God has to say. Look at Colossians 3:13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Folks, listen, anybody. That's what it says. Colossians 3:13. You know what it means to forgive? It means to release. It means that you and I need to let go of our regrets and what our view of justice is. Because listen, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not up, I'm not somebody's judge and jury, all right? You know what my responsibility is? If somebody offends me, somebody does something, then according to the Word of God, if they repent... They come to me, listen, I've had people, and I've wronged people too, but I've had people come to me and and they'll say, listen, Brother Keeley, please forgive me. You know what I usually say to them? Listen, don't think about it again. Uh, It's not a, I I, I tell people this, I appreciate you coming to me and making things right. But the most important thing is that you've made things right with God, is what I tell people. And that's the most important thing. So, if, look, if we're going to be acceptable to God, what do we need to do? We need to learn to forgive others. All right? Look at number four. Number four, if we're going to be acceptable to the Lord, we need to forget what we should not remember. <laughs> forget what we should not remember. You know, we're amazing people, aren't we? We can always remember all the bad. It's amazing. You know, you get to talking to somebody, and they bring up something that happened 30 years ago. You know, and folks, we dwell on that. But look what the Bible says in Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. Paul says, look, there's one thing that I'm doing right now in my life where I'm at. He says, I am forgetting those things which are where? Behind. And look, and he says, and I am reaching forth. Paul says, look, it's, it's just not worth it. I'm not going to dwell on the past. He says, I, look, there's some things that I just need to let go. It, look, there's a great example with our God. Look at the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, God says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Look, if God can be a forgetter, why can't we? If God's not going to hold something against us, why do we hold things against each other? Folks, let it go. Release that person from it. Look, does not the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 5 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things become new? All things become new, right? And so, we look, if we're, if we're going to be acceptable, then what we need to do is get a good case of spiritual amnesia, right? And we need to forget what we should not remember. How about number five? If we're going to be acceptable, look at this one. We need to get to know our missionaries personally. Get to know your mission. Look, I, I, and, and I do what I do because I love our missionaries, and I try to do the best I can because I want to try to keep you on top of it. But I'm afraid a lot of times, many of our church members, they hear me say things about missionaries, they know there's things on the wall back there, but they never go back there and look at those letters. They never read the letters. They don't pray for the missionaries. They don't even know the missionaries by name. Folks, we need to get to know these missionaries. When you get involved in their lives, I'm gonna tell you something, it'll change your life. Uh, You'll hear things happening and you'll think, I was, praying, I was praying for them about that, you know, like Brother Lyons, his wife, has, can you imagine being on the mission field without your wife? I just can't even imagine that. You know, you talk about a help meet. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's not in the United States of America, he's in the Philippines, and he's serving God, now he's doing it without his wife, without his help me. Listen, missionaries are those that were called to missions by God, and those missionaries, I think, are modern day heroes and they should mean something to us. Uh, Richie's mentioned that, you know, a lot of times we think about missionaries that they, they, you know, they go across a body of water to a foreign country. We've got missionaries right here in the United States. We've got great missionary brother, in in Utah, you know, and and we've got missionaries all over the place, not not only across the seas, but right here. And, And where do missionaries come from? They come from churches just like this. I'm praying that, in the days ahead, maybe God would call a missionary out of this very church. Uh, look, you see that example. Look in your notes here in Acts 13. The Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch. Now, let me translate that. That was Antioch Baptist Church, all right? I'm just trying to make sure you understand what we're reading here. And it says, There were prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So you see all these mentioned, and look at verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord, they were serving God, they were in their church, their local church, serving the Lord, and notice the church fasted, they fasted, and the Holy Ghost, notice here, said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. So out of all mentioned, two of them were separated by God to a work. Notice, for the work whereunto. I have called them. God God sent them out. Of course, from that point on, we see the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. Later on, Paul and Barnabas ended up uh, parting ways and then we had two missionary teams, but nonetheless, these missionaries, just like the 57 we support, are missionaries that are sent out by a church. I believe that's a biblical pattern is every missionary should have a home church. They should have a pastor. Now, things happen when missionaries are on the field, but nonetheless, look, if we get to know these missionaries, it'll help us and it will help them. Now, you think about a missionary, look what the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? You think about all the places that we support missionaries to, and and, and I think what excites me is if that missionary wasn't there, like Brother Lyons in the Philippines, you wonder if people in the Philippines, in that area where he's at, if they would have ever heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if Brother Lyons would have never gone. And the Bible says that except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We just talked about the Christmas time, glad tidings of good things. And so listen, folks, we need to understand how very important it is to get to know our missionaries personally. Look at Acts 13, 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Again, look, the missionaries are taking the good news. They're taking the gospel to these people in the ends of the earth. And if they would not go, folks, that's why we need to get to know our missionaries Personally, I want to challenge you this year get to know your missionaries, get to know who they are, pray for them by name. A lot of them at the bottom of their letters have the husband's name, the wife's name, and many of them put their children's names there. And get involved. Listen, a lot of them have addresses. You could write their address down and you could send them a letter. And I'm going to tell you, that's like gold to a missionary to get a letter from a member of a church that is supporting them faithfully uh, as they're on the field so if you're going to be acceptable look get to know your missionaries this year right number six if we're going to be acceptable here it is be a soul winner be a soul winner now i understand look we we cannot win somebody to christ but we can lead them to the savior Uh, dr curtis hudson said for many years before god called him home he said the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience to christ now why would he say that Because the Bible tells us that it is a command of God, not a request or a suggestion that we would be a soul winner. It is that we are all to be a witness for Christ. Look what Jesus said in John 15. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth what? Fruit. Look, every one of us. Now, listen, Can you imagine the difference it would make in this world if every Christian at least, at least won one soul to Christ in their lifetime? One person. If you've never led somebody to Christ, your prayer this year should be, Lord, help me to be a witness and give me an opportunity to lead one person to Christ this year. I'm going to tell you something. If you're like me or many other people, you lead one person to Christ, you can't wait to get the chance to lead another person to Christ. And we need, look, if we're going to be acceptable to God, he says, go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Look at this, Acts 1.8, I just mentioned this here, it says, you shall receive power And here it is. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We know that living in this time, beyond this transitional period of the book of Acts, that when a person is saved, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God at the moment of salvation. And so we have God's Holy Spirit, we have the power of God. And so, listen, as we go out, it says that we are to be witnesses unto God, unto me, both at the same time in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, certainly, look, uh, our Jerusalem is Pembroke Pines. I can't go to Japan unless I go there on a trip. But listen, as I am trying to witness for the Lord here, we are supporting missionaries that are doing the same thing in Japan that we're doing right here in the United States of America. And God says, this, this is the command of God. I love Proverbs eleven thirty. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Folks, if you want to be a wise person, then understand God saved you and he left you here for one reason, and that is so that you can be a witness for the Lord. Look at Psalm 126, verse 6. Here's a great verse. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a tremendous verse there. Listen, when's the last time you wept over a lost person? And you think about this, as you go to talk to them, look at this, bearing precious seed. I love Brother Keen, uh, years ago, he st- they started a, a Bible printing ministry and he calls it Bearing Precious Seed Ministry. Because that's what the Word of God is. And we've, look, we've got to get it, the Old Testament prophet said, the seed's in the barn. We've got to get it out of the barn. We've got to get the seed out into the field where it can germinate, where, where someone's lives can be changed by the Word of God. And the only way that people are going to be saved is if we go out to them. You want to be acceptable to God this year? Listen, one way to do that is to be a soul winner. And then the last one, look at this is if we want to be acceptable to God, we need to pray for revival. Pray for revival. You know, in this next week or so, I'll talk to you about our revival coming up. And folks, we put it on the calendar, and its if you want to call it this, it's a meeting. But Dr. Getz, when he comes, he doesn't have revival in a suitcase. We need to pray, as it says here in Psalm 85, wilt thou not revive us? again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. I love that verse there because, listen, many of us in our lives, because of things going on, circumstances, sometimes illnesses, sometimes situation at work or whatever it may be, we tend to kind of lose life as a Christian. You know what we, to revive means to live again. And I love the verse because look at it. It doesn't just say, will thou not revive us again? Watch this that thy people may rejoice in thee. That phrase there, you know what it indicates? Fellowship. Fellowship with God. Walking with God. The greatest barrier to revival, you know what it is? Sin. When we have sin in our lives, and you can call it whatever it is, but God just calls it sin. And when there's sin in our lives... We're not right with God. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, I love that verse because if we do everything we should do, then God says, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their How many of you would like it if God healed America? Wouldn't that be awesome? Let me ask you this. How many of you believe that could happen? Yeah. How many of you believe God's able? Amen. God can do that, folks. Psalm 51, 10, look at this verse, simple verse here about revival. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, you think about it. I've given you seven ways tonight, ways that you and I can be acceptable. And on the front of the thing, I put the silly little picture, cute little guy there, little Dalmatian puppy. But I was thinking about this when I looked at this. I have no idea how I came across this other than the fact that the word acceptable means without spot. I I guess for years I didn't realize this, it wasn't new today, but Dalmatian puppies, when they're born, they're born without their spots. They don't have a spot on them. They look just like this little puppy right here. They have a pure white coat with no spots, and the spots start showing up in in about a week, and and a lot of times, maybe by a month or so, three to four weeks, the spots start showing up on these, these puppies as they start growing throughout their life. And I, I was thinking about that, how these puppies are born without spots. Every last Dalmatian puppy is born without spots, and then they get spots. But you know what the Bible says about us? Psalm 51, five: Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know what that means? We are all born with spots. See, the Dalmatians are born without spots, and they get spots. We are born with spots. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the psalm said in Psalm 51, 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Isaiah said in the Old Testament, Come now, let us reason together, notice saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, how is it possible that we all start with spots and we end up losing those spots? Now, I can tell you before I go on, it has nothing to do with us, (laughs) There's no bar of soap that you can wash up with to get rid of the sin in your life. There's no way you can live a certain life. You can't go to enough churches. You can't give enough money. But I will show you this. Look what it says in John 1 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Praise the Lord, right? He takes our spots away. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 19. The Bible talks about this life that we live, whether, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Look, folks, in this life, God says that as we labor, as we live this life, the whole reason that we're here is that you and I might live a life that is accepted of him. I thought of one verse after I finished the outline tonight. You can write the reference if you want, but I love this verse, 2 Corinthians eleven two. 2. God says, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The word chaste means pure, clean, white. In other words, no spots. And that's the life that God wants you and I to live, a life that is acceptable in thy sight. I hope that's the life you want to live. Here's a great way for you to kick off the new year. It's not resolutions. It's all Bible. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God. Pray that you just help us as we prepare, Lord, for a new year, new opportunity And Lord, I pray that you bless each person in our church. Help us, Lord, to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, that the meditation of our our hearts, Lord, and the words of our mouth be acceptable in thy sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.